This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. To mask or not to mask? That is the question on many people's minds as Chicago and Illinois governments lifted the mask mandate this week for fully vaccinated people. Uh, I mean, it's it's very strange because there is like almost a bit of hesitancy to it because for so long it's been this is what the new normal is. I just feel more comfortable, better safe than sorry. I'm going to wear a mask at all times. I think it's the right thing to do. Plus, city officials announced the return of Lollapalooza this summer, and the State Board of Education unanimously passed a resolution that supports a full return to in-person learning in the fall. Joining us now to discuss those stories and more is Dr. Mia Teramina. She's an infectious disease specialist with the DuPage Medical Group. Hi, Dr. Teramina. Welcome back. Hi, Sasha. Doctor, what is the latest on COVID-19 metrics here in our state? You know, we continue to move in a very favorable direction. Um, We're looking at rolling positivity rates down below 3% at that 2.2 to 2.7% range, which is just outstanding. Of course, uh, the vast majority of folks that are still testing positive are going to be our children uh, because they have not yet had access to vaccine and our unvaccinated vulnerable adults. And unfortunately, those that are finding themselves in the hospital usually fall into that latter category where we are seeing um, folks that have had every opportunity to get vaccinated by this point and for one reason or another have elected not to or haven't gotten uh, access to the vaccine yet. And uh, they're needing a little help in the hospital, in some case, a lot of help in the hospital, but the trends across the board are quite favorable. Speaking of of children, they are now making up the majority of the city's daily COVID cases. Can you tell us more about that? You know, this virus needs a host and, um, you know, the available hosts are becoming smaller and smaller in uh, numbers as we have more and more individuals vaccinated. And while uh, getting vaccinated as adults is indeed helping our unvaccinated children by, you know, creating less of an opportunity uh, for this virus to spread and mutate. The reality is it's unvaccinated people and and a combination of that with the mutations that are spreading that are more contagious and can sometimes cause more clinical illness that are infecting our, our most vulnerable, the unvaccinated individuals. Now, fortunately, children are doing very well with this. The chances of a child becoming severely ill or requiring hospitalization or, heaven forbid, passing away are very, very small. Okay. But it does not take away the need to continue to to vaccinate them. After new guidance from the CDC this week, Illinois and Chicago both lifted the mask mandates for fully vaccinated residents in, in most situations. Remind us what the guidelines are, doctor. 
So outdoors, fully vaccinated, we can go mask free. Uh, essentially, if you're going to be in a very large crowd or there's going to be difficulty with physical distancing, I would still encourage masking out of an abundance of caution. Indoors in most capacities, yep, we're able to go mask free if we're fully vaccinated as well. And even uh, large chain stores like Target have moved towards uh, going ahead and, and opening the opportunity for that. Hospitals, uh, healthcare settings, nursing facilities, everyone that is in those facilities, whether they're rendering patient care or not, should still be masked. And at present, we are still masking uh, children in schools. Now, we had a call in earlier this week when we first discussed the, the new mask guidelines. And, and Stuart called in. He said he had had COVID a little over a month ago. So he was still within that window from being able to get vaccinated. And so he was wondering, uh, and also says that he's no longer contagious. So he's confused. He says, do I mask up? Do I not? Am I considered unvaccinated? What rules do I abide by? Well, first and foremost, if you have had COVID and you have recovered from COVID, you are not required to wait. 90 days uh, or an arbitrary period of time before you can get vaccinated. You actually can get vaccinated as soon as a couple of weeks after your diagnosis. And, you know, so when it's convenient to you, go ahead and get vaccinated. And, and sooner rather than later is completely reasonable. We do know that most people who develop antibodies from COVID illness uh, have some protective antibodies for at least a few months. So again, it is highly unlikely someone who has recovered from COVID uh, is going to be uh, someone who's going to be able to get COVID again. I would still regard that individual out of an abundance of caution as someone that is able to potentially become infected with one of the variants, even though they may have some protective antibodies from the virus they just recovered from. So I would not regard someone as having natural antibodies from recently recovered infection as quite to the tier of someone being fully vaccinated when it comes to uh, interacting uh, and moving around the, the community unmasked. Let's hear now from Mark. I think we've got him back. Hi, Mark. Uh, I know the CDC advises against uh, mixing doses of different vaccines. I wonder yet if there's any guidance about when we get boosters, whether we're going to have to stick with an mRNA. If we, I had Pfizer, my wife had Johnson & Johnson. Can we get is there going to be a generic booster or is each company going to come out with its own booster? These are million dollar questions, Mark. We are all looking toward uh, the companies that are manufacturing and making booster doses as to what the next step will be. Let's go ahead and move on to the next caller. We've got Reva, who's waiting patiently from Edgewater. Hi, Reva. So I'm concerned about what we do or don't know about the Indian variants. Um, I've heard conflicting information about whether or not they are susceptible to vaccines. And I'm very aware that if we went into a situation of once again full lockdown, that it would be an incredible catastrophe. So there's a part of me that doesn't trust whether we're being told what's going on. So what do we know and how does it affect how we should be behaving at this moment? That's a very good question. Um, what we do know about the variant specifically in India, which is the B1617 variant, that particular variant has at least two mutations, but they're very similar mutations to what we've seen before in other strains. 
Because of this, the available vaccines that we have, especially our mRNA vaccines, are covering it very, very well. So we should have a significant amount of protection against that particular strain and, in fact, against multiple uh, variant strains that are currently circulating, both B117, the UK variant, and P1, the Brazil variant. The available vaccines are covering and protecting us from these variants quite well. What we need to keep an eye out for and we need to be mindful of is the propensity of those variants to continue to mutate and eventually evade the protectivity of our uh, current um, vaccine. The good news is, is that we should be able to continue to manufacture boosters to cover variants in short order if a crisis were to arise. But the most important thing we can do right now is to continue to vaccinate with the available vaccines to decrease the opportunity for any further mutations to occur. Also new this week, doctor, all Illinois schools are required to resume in-person learning this fall, with limited exceptions. What are your thoughts on this move from the State Board of Education? So I'm in complete support of uh, kids being in-person full-time in the fall. Uh, Again, of course, there's going to be some exceptions to this. Uh, There is a little bit of a gray area when it comes to our youngest kids who will not yet have access to or be able to be vaccinated. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out regarding masking and whether masks are required or optional. Uh, My personal feeling is that until vaccine is available to all who desire to receive it, there should be some consideration for continued mask wearing uh, for individuals that are not yet able to be uh, vaccinated. So uh, I'm in support of it. I've said before that the conversation about school should not be if they can go to school, it's how. And we need to be able to keep kids in school full-time safely where they can thrive and learn. Speaking of schools, Priya is on the line in Naperville. She wants to ask about school reopenings as well. Hi, Priya. Welcome to Reset. So my question is, uh, the schools are starting uh, mandatorily full-fledged in person this fall. But uh, in the last interactive session with the school, the school said that they cannot declare if the the 100% staff is vaccinated or not because it's a personal medical information. So how safe is it to send our schools to the children? uh, Sorry, how safe is it to send our children to the school if we don't know if the staff is vaccinated or not? Thank you, Priya. Priya, that's a, that's a concern that, that we definitely have heard as well before. And yes, a, a teacher's vaccinated status in, in many ways becomes part of protected health information. There may be uh, self-reporting and things like that that will be able to best establish who may or may not be vaccinated. Uh, it would be my sincere hope that if we have unvaccinated adults in the presence of children, especially children who are not able to be vaccinated, that those adults continue to wear masks. And that's where we get into this difficult area because there is indeed a big push towards masking being also optional across the boards in schools come this fall. And that'll depend on a lot of community metrics as well. Uh, But I think that the science still is indicating that the most likely individuals to spread virus are going to be those who are unvaccinated who become infected. So that is something that we are going to have to look toward. Um, And I think that uh, kids that are vulnerable should be masked as well. Well, children seem to be on, on everyone's minds right now, Dr. Mia Teramina. Uh, Amanda's on the line. She's calling from Woodridge. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Thank you for uh, taking my call. I was curious um, if we have any data on the uh, potential transmission rate from a vaccinated individual to an un- unvaccinated. So my husband and I are both vaccinated, um, but 
my son is almost one years old, so he's obviously not. So is there any risk um, that my husband or I could potentially um, be asymptomatic carriers um, and transmit the virus to him? So official data regarding that is likely going to be coming in the, in the coming weeks to months, but everything that we have available now shows that you are very unlikely to be an asymptomatic spreader of this virus if you are fully vaccinated. Certainly, if you are fully vaccinated, are exposed, and develop symptoms, you may have more viable virus that can be passed to somebody else, including your toddler, but it should still be much less than the typical viral amounts in someone that has no vaccine whatsoever. We may indeed find that folks that become infected after being fully vaccinated are essentially not able to spread the virus. It's going to be a very, very low number, but look towards symptoms. Um, someone who is completely healthy and not immunocompromised and has been fully vaccinated and has no symptoms, again, is going to be very, very unlikely to spread the virus uh, unknowingly to someone else. Doctor, at least 600,000 children ages 12 to 15 have received their first dose of the Pfizer vaccine so far. And it's been about a week since this age group has been eligible. Can you talk a bit more about how the rollout's going? The rollout's going well so far. I mean, the vaccine is highly accessible to our adolescents who desire to receive it. And I know at least in my organization, we're making a strong push to decentralizing the vaccine, meaning that we now know from Pfizer that the vaccine is actually stable at standard refrigerator temperatures, doesn't need that cold, cold storage. So up to 30 days, meaning we can take this vaccine from cold storage, put it in a refrigerator space right in our doctor's offices so that when you come in for your sports physicals or back-to-school physicals, hopefully it'll be right there for you. We're working towards that. There's a lot of details we've got to push through, but that's where I think this is coming to, and certainly by the time our youngest kids are able to get vaccinated, I I hope it's as simple as walking into your doctor's office for a routine appointment. Um, Thank you to all the parents out there who are on the right side of science with this one and getting their teens and adolescents vaccinated. Uh, Looking forward to a more normal-feeling summer. Uh, and certainly taking some of that angst out of worrying about our kids moving forward into the fall. Let's hear now from Wilda in Bolingbrook. Hi, Wilda. What's your question for the doctor? Uh, My question is, I was told by someone that if you're allergic to aspirin, you should not get vaccinated. Does that uh, match up with your understanding of the guidelines? So anyone that has an allergy to anything is going to be asked to stay for a longer period of time after receiving the vaccine, usually around 30 minutes to make sure that there's not any acute a reaction that might happen. That being said, aspirin is not identified as something that would predispose you to have an adverse reaction to any of the available vaccines. Uh, we look for uh, specifically a history of anaphylactic reaction to a component called PEG, polyethylene glycol, or if someone's had an anaphylactic reaction to the first dose of, of the Pfizer, uh, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson vaccines, that would be more of a concern. All other allergies, including to injectables, uh, to stinging insects, to different foods, uh, they are not a contraindication to receive the vaccine. Just plan on waiting afterwards for around 30 minutes. Doctor, what about allergy season, right? It's getting longer and stronger, according to experts. So what is the best way for someone to tell the difference between allergy symptoms and COVID symptoms? Yeah, 
You know, one of the biggest things that, that is a differentiator for me is the, the itchy, watery eyes and the itchy, runny, sneezy, uh, clear nasal discharge that is more classic with allergies. That is something that's usually not truly indicative of a COVID-like illness. It's, it's by far and away more of the shortness of breath, the cough, uh, fevers, loss of smell and taste. Those are more of the hallmarks. And in young kids, we can have some GI symptoms as well that are a little more predominant. But if you have a child that typically has allergies, which manifest with the itchy eyes and the runny nose, and that's what they're experiencing, chances are that is what they're experiencing. Fortunately, the accessibility to testing and rapid turnaround with results is so convenient in so many places. If there's any doubt, uh, when in doubt, go ahead and please get tested, especially if you have an unvaccinated individual that's going to be interacting with their peers. I got to ask you this, Dr. Lollapalooza officially got the green light to return to Grant Park this summer at full capacity. So, but, but festival goers, they've got to provide proof that they've been vaccinated or that they've got uh, a negative COVID-19 test. Do you think it's time to bring back these large festivals and public events? I think that uh, individuals are definitely looking forward to having a more normal-feeling summer, and it is exciting to see some of these big events coming back, and even ones that are coming back on a more postponed schedule, like Bike the Drive and things like that. Um, I think that we're going to see less of a massive outbreak uh, in terms of having uh, big events like this. Are there going to be people that attend these events and incidentally test positive afterwards? Yes, we will. And the hope would be that everyone that attends an event like this will have had the opportunity to be vaccinated. uh, And that's something they should strongly consider before being in close proximity to others. Uh, If you are simply going the route of having a negative COVID test, masking would still be encouraged at a big event like this because there's going to be a lot of people. It's not 100% safe. It's certainly not going to be nearly as risky as an event of this caliber would have been at the peak of this illness. And I hope that we can safely enjoy a lot of large events this summer. Let's squeeze in one final caller. Mary's on the line in the West Loop. Hi, Mary. Quick question for the doctor. Yes. um, I am confused by the CDC's decision to uh, take away masking. I mean, people, young people are not fully vaccinated, and there are many people who are young who are in the hospital. So I find this confusing. Brief response, doctor. It is definitely confusing and to a lot of us. Essentially, we do have data showing that, you know, the opportunity to fully vaccinate all those who are uh, able to receive vaccine uh, shows that this vac- uh, this virus is unlikely to spread uh, with people that are fully vaccinated. And the numbers have dropped to a point where we should be safe, sort of encouraging uh, people to continue to get vaccinated so they can move through freely unmasked. That is infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Teramina from the DuPage Medical Group. Thank you so much, Dr. Teramina. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Sasha. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.